Welcome. Thank you very much for being here today. We would like to begin with some moments of silence for all of those experiencing the flooding.
Welcome to Mystical Musings, September 15, 2013, here in the Library of Colorado Heights University, beaming out from the highest point in the Mile High City with Myron McClellan and me, Lawrence Phillips. Those of us who identify as spiritual but not religious, who are non-sectarian and non-denominational, are the fastest growing demographic of the sacred communities in America today. Thank you for joining us for creating our community of mystics, people seeking to obtain unity with God, the breath of life, the gentle whisper, the great spirit. As a community of mystics who believe and know spiritual apprehension of truths beyond the intellect. I am because we are. I am because we are one celebrating body and spirit. Momentum builds for global and personal change and transformation in ways new and exciting that until recently were unimaginable. Today we share musings on spiritual expansion for us as individuals and for all of us, our musings community, including ideas about how we can assist with global transformation. Some of the techniques are easy and delightful, some are rigorous and challenging. All are spiritually invigorating so we can all up-level our work co-creating the new era. Notice as you're being here now that your momentum may be slowing down a little bit, at least embodied. Becoming present to your body right now might want to notice if you're comfortable in your sit, if you could be more comfortable, more open, more easy. Cultivating presence with an awareness of breathing. Watching closely where breath begins. where each breath seems to end. And practicing a technique of slightly deepening your breathing, especially on the exhale, slightly extending the exhale. Letting go, letting go of concerns, of judgments, of preoccupations, of tensions. Letting go of any holding in your jaw. Your belly, fingers, toes. With each exhale, letting go of the external realm for now. Opening and becoming present to this now. Using our embodied life as a portal. A portal 
to presence. Staying with the breath as a constant background, even as you notice other experiences. Noticing if you're in an open position, and if you're not, if the legs are crossed and the fingers are crossed, just make a conscious decision. You may want to remain crossed, and that's fine. But if you'd like to experience a little more openness, you might want to let the body act accordingly. Noticing how you're being supported right now. It is fundamental to the martial arts, is our support, is our sense of ground, is our earthing. Our ground and the contact points of support, the feet, the backs of the legs, pelvis, your low back, even your hands resting on your thighs. All of these are points of support worthy of noticing, directly sensing, directly connecting to, and with. Am I easily supported at this moment? Could I get even easier and more comfortable? Especially noticing your hara, the center, in the pelvis, a couple inches below the navel, the center of gravity. Overlooked in our heady culture and in these heartful times, sometimes forgotten. Sensing down into your center with each breath. Noticing your momentum of this moment Momentum is a term in physics describing a moving body measured as mass times velocity, can suggest inertia and acceleration, but any embodied movement has momentum, even your breathing right now. Is your momentum of breath a little more full? Can it be? Noticing as the embodied self slows down that there is a quickening of the spirit. Noticing thinking mind, but don't attend to it. It's just a little stream of thoughts passing by like logs on the river. Noticing what you're sensing at this moment. Noticing what you're feeling emotionally, the sense of your heart at this moment. Noticing the quality of the moving of your breath at this moment. And lastly, 
of the sensing and feeling and thinking and moving, the primary categories of human function, we add to that, how are you with God, the Great Spirit, the Tao, right now? When you inhale, allow ever so slightly the least bit of a spinal extension so that as you inhale and the breath moves through your heart, you allow the spine to extend slightly so that there's an ever so slight opening at your heart. And when you exhale, that you allow an ever so slight bending, spinal flexion. So the heart is consciously, intentionally opening on the inhale and slightly closing on the exhale. A gentle, easy undulation. It can be as large or as microscopic as you would like it to be. Whatever your body calls from you right now. Just noticing the dynamic of the breath and the spine connected to the opening and intentional closing of your heart. Intentional opening, allowing the closing. And noticing as you do this that you can orient yourself from time to time with what would be the horizon and just allowing the sense of the horizon to be part of your consciousness from time to time. Namaste. I honor the place in you in which the entire universe dwells. I honor the place in you which is of love, of truth, of light, of peace. When you are in that place in you, and I am in that place in me. We are one. Namaste. We are so happy to see you today. We've had so many calls and emails from musers who are stuck uh, and in perilous conditions, many of them. Our friends in, in Jamestown completely cut off. And it's difficult to even walk around Jamestown because mines are collapsing. So it's, um, it's epic what's happening now. The one thing that we noticed in hearing from our friends who said they wouldn't be at the Musing Acceptance Spirit was that no one is resenting what's happening. People are taking it in, learning from it, coming into community. Our friend Afra in Jamestown, about four years ago, four or five years ago, had the premonition that she should get in a lot of freeze-dried food. And with that, she would be helping people out. At the time, she thought it might be bird flu or something like that. She's in Jamestown. She has a garden and she has all of this food. So the people who chose to stay there and not 
helicopter out are being fed and are and they are nurturing one another so as with all tragic events there is also the light side and there is the recognition that whatever happens happens for our benefit as Rumi said it's all rigged it's all rigged in your favor right so today we are praying for these people sending them our love and we're also rejoicing that we know that the divine presence always has something in mind that will be supportive of us and that we will grow from this in significant ways so thank you all for coming we were prepared for about six people to be here and it's such a thrill and people from Boulder who made it here actually one of my oldest friends here he's an old guy now but I've known him since he was 23 so it's really nice to have you and you here so we'll have a music meditation now and followed by a silence as we move into the depth of the divine presence in our hearts we open our hearts because we learn more and more that that's where we really need to live
sitting now in our own personal radiance. Sitting in our magnificent Sitting now in the blue flame of God's will. Sitting now in the rose pink flame of unconditional love. Sitting now in the emerald green flame of health and wealth. Sitting now in the gold purple flame of resurrection. Sitting now in the pure white light of ascension. Sitting now in the violet flame of transformation and sending that violet flame over all the earth Sitting now in the yellow gold of divine wisdom. Sitting now and sending unconditional love to all the kingdoms on earth. Sitting now in our own personal divine radiance. In our musings, we like to get oriented in the warp and woof of our lives. 
space and time. In the category of the end of time as we know it, in answer to a question about gay priests, the new pope said, who am I to judge? I thought that is changing a great deal. Remarkable, remarkable comment. Very welcome, very past due, and really extraordinary. He's setting a very different tone, this pope, than in all of my lifetime. We are living in exponential times. Everything is happening very fast in the external realm. The advances for gay rights lately take on the feel of exponential. Sure feels like that a lot of the time in the personal realm as well, like we are living the quickening of the spirit. However, I think it would be wrong to say that the transformation is solely being caused by the external. Rather, from a mystic perspective, it is consciousness itself that is undergoing a radical evolving. And it is this transformation that is being reflected in the rapid change and seeming chaos in the external realm. Generating exponentiality, which is a neologism, but I'll take it, I hope you will. Generating exponentiality, what we might think of as hyper now, now on steroids, are such factors as doubling computer capacity every two years, expanding computer communication systems, Bucky Fuller calls it the exo-nervous system of our planet. The increasing pace of change, burgeoning rates of social interaction, an unaccountable drop for crime in the Western world for several years running, an explosive expansion of data and the role of unpredictability and the development of consciousness itself. The topic of change and increasingly the topic of exponential change now interweaves in world culture unlike any other time in recorded history. There are those who predict a singularity, a change so rapid and profound representing transformation that breaks with historical patterns, like the metamorphosis of the caterpillar as humanity itself becomes the butterfly. Given these mega trends toward transformation, change in how we adapt remains one of the ongoing 21st century challenges. And yet we have learned to live with the unpredictability of the weather. There seems to be unfolding inevitabilities, including climate change with more CO2 and more insects. From GMOs to droughts, our food is changing radically the rising of the oceans with the melting of the poles, the ongoing loss of the glaciers, the increasing presence and displacement of robots in our lives, the increasing scarcity of fresh water, the volatility of Mama Gaia's ecosystem as we now witness in Colorado. Countering my sometimes pessimistic view is Myron's optimistic perspective. <laughs> that inhabits possibility with the unfolding of human ingenuity on scales never before witnessed, including the extraordinary proliferation of NGOs, smaller groups leveraging the world in ways never before available, especially with the relentlessly growing cyber exonervous system of humanity. Wildcard potentiation has never been greater, not just in the negative realm, but very much also in the positive. 
Microfinance is successfully awakening possibility and hope in demographics previously thought inured to change for the poor, women, minorities. Khan Academy Online is transforming education. It is being said that more knowledge has been gained in the last two years than in all of previous human history. Data doubles every two years. We live in exponential times wherein transformation seems certain and time itself is being altered from linear to hyper-time momentum wherein presence requires us to be centered and grounded as a daily practice as, as a way of being in the world. One of the fundamental spiritual principles is as above, so below. So what is the counterbalance to our accelerating sense of time? I was praying for this and it got revealed to me. <laughs> Something called the long now. Did any of you know about it? Oh, how exciting. <laughs> I've been at loose ends now that we don't have 2012 solstice to kick around anymore. <laughs> what to look forward to? Our disappearing future began with Alvin Toffler's future shock in 1970. Then came the Orwellian 1984, 1987's Mayan harmonic convergence, Y2K, the year 2000, the Mayan harmonic concordance in 2003, and of course, the winter solstice of 2012. So now what? How are we as good mystics to view the future as well as the Holy Grail of the Spirit, this present here and now? Enter the long now. My first introduction to a long now was through the Native Americans referencing a seventh generation sustainability. In every deliberation, we must consider the impact upon the seventh generation. The Long Now Foundation was established in 01996, which uses five-digit dates. The extra zero is to solve the Deca millennium, millennium bug, which will come in effect in about 8,000 years. The Long Now Foundation hopes to provide a counterpoint to today's accelerating culture and help make long-term thinking more common, fostering responsibility in the framework of the next 10,000 years by developing the clock of the long now, designed to tick once a year, bong once a century, with the cuckoo coming out every millennium. <laughs> what makes this especially interesting is that Amazon's billionaire Jeff Bezos recently invested over $40 million in this project. The name The Long Now comes from the great musician Brian Eno, the experimental musician and composer, who will contribute the music that will play as the clock chimes once a day. The clock is ringing deep inside a mountain. It is a huge clock, hundreds of feet tall, designed to tick for 10,000 years. Every once in a while, the bells of this buried clock play a melody. Each time the chimes ring, it's a melody the clock has never played before. The clock's chimes have been programmed to not repeat themselves for 10,000 years. The clock is now being built inside a mountain in western Texas. 
This clock is the first of many millennial clocks the designers hope will be built around the world and throughout time. There is a second site for another clock already purchased at the top of a mountain in eastern Nevada, a site surrounded by a very large grove of 5,000-year-old bristlecone pines, among the longest-lived organisms on the planet. The designers of the clock in Texas <clears throat> expect its chimes will keep ringing twice as long as the oldest five-millennium bristlecone pine. 10,000 years is about the age of civilization, so a 10K clock would measure out a future civilization equal to its past. Civilization is revving itself into a pathologically short attention span. The trend might be coming from the acceleration of technology, the short horizon perspective of market-driven economics, the next election perspective of democracies, or the distractions of personal multitasking. All are on the increase. Some sort of balancing corrective to the short-sightedness is needed. Some mechanism, some myth, which encourages the long view and talking of long-term responsibility, where long-term is measured at least in centuries. Long now proposes both a mechanism and a myth and is, as such, a long-term human stepping stone into the mystic eternal. <clears throat> Accordingly, there are 17,986 years and 105 days until the year 10,000. <laughs> yep, yeah, here we go. <laughs> so, once again, namaste. I honor the place in you in which the entire universe dwells. I honor the place in you which is of love, of truth, of light, and of peace. When you are in that place in you, and I am in that place in me, we are one. Namaste. So we have officially started the countdown. <laughs> Speaking of time, my gosh. It's the middle of September. What happened to the summer? Everything accelerating. So, you know, our normal kind of sine wave of ups and downs has kind of gone like this. And in many times, ups and downs at the same time, which is very exciting. When we can be down and up at the same time. I noticed at the beginning of summer that I was having these feelings come up that were not situational, were not, not caused by events, but were like big bursts of fear or big bursts of grief or anger. And so I ask my guides, what is going on? And I was sent to a book called The Presence Process by Michael Brown. And another book by Michael Brown called The Alchemy of the Heart. And what he explained was that these moments, when these intense feelings come up, are from suppressed childhood 
times before we were seven. And when I talked to my guides, they said, this is really what we need to be doing now. First of all, to kind of clear the decks so that we can be larger vessels for grace and for love that we're moving into as we move forward in this accelerated way. We don't want anything, any obstructions within ourselves to in, dam up that energy, that divine presence that is coming our way. In the presence process, which is a 10-week process um, that I and Rich and several other people are doing right now, it is a big commitment. So it's not that I'm recommending this to you. You'd have to have it shown you by guidance to do it. But this is essentially his thought. Until we are seven years old, we are creative, we're happy, we're joyful, we're free, we just are ourselves. And then we reach seven, and then it all shifts as the mental body begins to open, and as we begin to try to please our parents and our teachers our families, our peers. We move, he says, then from presence, which the child has. The child doesn't worry about the future, doesn't think about the past, just is in the moment with creativity and joy. So we trade presence for pretense. And then we begin to mold our lives according to what other people expect of us. Now, Michael Brown says, this is the time to return to presence. Presence in the moment. Presence right now. Now, that's not a new idea, is it? I mean, it's been around since Buddha. And we've made a lot of efforts at that. But he has a unique way of teaching us or helping us come into the present, which is by turning toward every feeling we have and integrating it. So if this moment of fear comes up, you turn toward it, you feel it, and then, in his language, it gets integrated. And that integration gives us strength. That is fuel for us that integrated feeling. I love this language much more than releasing feelings or processing feelings. It's like integrating them because you can take in the energy of the feeling. So the three primary feelings he talks about going on are fear, anger, and grief. And he says if we do a practice of connecting our breath just leaving the breath the way it is, but connecting it, not having big pauses at the top or big pauses at the bottom, that that really assists in bringing these feelings up so we can integrate them, so we can have more strength for what's coming. Because it's not only that we have to have open hearts, we really have to be strong to hold, to be the vessels of the divine masculine coming in, the divine feminine coming in, And so this process really helps. 
So if you do the process, 15 minutes in the morning, you do this connected breathing with breathing in, I, breathing out, am, breathing in, here, breathing in, out, now, breathing in, in, and breathing out, this. Okay, I am here now in this. And so that breath really helps to bring us into the moment. Do it in the morning, you do it in the evening, and if you're really in the process, you do it when you're standing in line at the grocery store, you do it when you're waiting for anything, you do it whenever you have a free moment because it really does bring you back into the presence. Because the, the breath is ours. No one can breathe for us. No one can tell us how to do it. So it's ours. It belongs to us. Now he says the ultimate goal of being present is to come to love oneself unconditionally. To love oneself unconditionally. And what that means for him is to love every feeling and every event that comes into your life, even every person, because when you're in presence, you, you know your oneness with everyone. You know your oneness. And when you are in that present moment, you are also in the divine present moment. And that's the way you come to have unconditional love for yourself. By loving everything, by bringing it in, by celebrating it, and by feeling it, no matter how good or how bad it feels. We've gone through a lot of grief this week because of the floods and our people involved in it. And the extraordinary um, damage it's done to our state. So turning toward that grief, letting ourselves feel it, really, as long as it comes up, is very empowering. And you can feel the divine presence also while you're feeling the grief. You feel them both at the same time. So this is a way to strengthen ourselves, and this is a way to keep ourselves in the present moment. And keep ourselves in a state of unconditional love, which is loving everything that comes into our life, no matter what it is. So this has been um, an interesting process. I had one time of an hour and 15 minutes of just terror. I was so afraid. So I sat with it for the hour 15 minutes and then after it was over, I said, hey, good job, you know, hour and 15 minutes of fear. Good work. Congratulations. So and then I had another extraordinary experience of feeling unloved. Now, the adult of me would be crazy if it had that idea. I get so much love at home. I get so much love from you. I get so much love from my family. I get so much love. But the child in me was not feeling loved. 
there was a childhood memory that came up as a result of doing this breath and doing this process that I, it was a feeling I had never had before. And I went out to my kiva, to my sanctuary, and for three hours I felt unloved. It was a huge piece. And then after that I felt so good that that had been integrated because number one, it wasn't running my life. Because our childhood wounds unfelt run us. We're not in charge. It's those feelings that are in charge. So I thought, oh, that's great. And then the strength that that gave me from feeling that was profound. Now, the other thing that Michael Brown talks about that I want to present to you, and I I have a copy of his two books up there if you want to leaf through them afterwards. And this is absolutely amazing technique to me. He's really been my teacher this summer. He talks about what you do when someone hurts your feelings or makes you angry or betrays you or in some way really sets you off. Now, this can be another person. It can be an event. Uh, It can be an accident. And what he calls those things that trigger these feelings, he calls them the messenger. So he says, if someone hurts your feelings, that person is doing you a favor because it's stimulating that hurt feeling that has been stored since childhood in you, and you get to feel it. And then you don't react to the person who has hurt you. So you don't say, hey, you know, that hurt my feelings. That's reacting. Instead, he says, you respond, which is that you go into that hurt feeling and you can do it on the spot. And soon that gets integrated and soon you are grateful to the messenger. So it's a way of owning our own feelings that is profound. And it is a way of making every encounter, whether pleasant or unpleasant, work in our emotional and spiritual favor. That has really changed all my relationships. Profoundly. So that's another practice that is easy to do. The whole process is easy. It's just that it's 10 weeks and you have to be disciplined enough to sit in the morning and sit in the evening. And so some of my friends buy the book and say, well, I'll read it, but I don't think I'll do the process. But reading it, reading it helps. That's what I recommend. But for me, the discipline was very important since I'm pretty loose about those things. So that, that has really changed me. And if you do it, your mate does it too, whether he wants to or not. <laughs> he becomes involved. Another thing that has happened this summer, and it may have been happening for you too, is that separately, 
Lawrence and I found ourselves wanting to meditate more than ever. I think I have spent more time in meditation, silent meditation this summer than I have since the 70s when I, what I, I did all the time. So if I don't get two hours of meditation, silent meditation in, I feel bereft. So when there is um, a directive from guidance, there is also the energy to support whatever the directive is. So if we're asked to sit in silence and just be, then the conditions are created for us that make that easy to do. So that has been a remarkable way also of making ourselves stronger and making ourselves more available to the love and the grace we are calling in. We are together calling in the new era. It's not that it's being done to us It can't be done without our cooperation, without our co-creation. And so every time any of us sits in silence and allows the divine presence to come through us, it's going into the collective. And it is also asking, bring us the new era. Now, another thing that um, is happening this summer is happening with a friend of mine who is an amazing energy worker who said, I think you should get a group of men together and I should get a group of women together or we should get groups of both together to bring in and anchor in the divine masculine. So I've asked several men in here to do that, it just takes a minute every day. And I know several of us are already doing it. It just takes a minute. And you just say out loud, I would like to be a vehicle, a vessel for the divine masculine to be here in, as a, a container and as a protector of the divine feminine. Now, this was really thrilling to me because I've been teaching about the divine feminine for 40 years. And now it feels like, oh, us guys have a a role here too that's very important. And the masculine is meant to protect the feminine. And then the women I've talked to, I have asked, if you're willing, to anchor in the divine feminine just to anchor that in, to bring it in. So many of us who are doing it really feel a delight. It just takes a few seconds a day, although you may do it more than once a day. But it just is a very simple thing to do, and I think it's making a difference. So I invite all the guys here to do it, all the women to do it in your own ways. So that's been extremely powerful. Another thing that I've noticed this summer, and it's really remarkable, and I, 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 I ask you to try it, which is that guides are so close in 
and so available that it's remarkable. It's like having your own personal staff. I mean, even for the smallest things. So I was trying to perform a simple mechanical operation. I would never go near anything that was complicated, but I thought this is easy. I can put these CDs in this and everything will be fine, except I couldn't do it. And I got so angry, right? So the CD was a messenger for me, right? So I just went for all the rage. And then I said, okay, I need someone with mechanical skills to help me. So I moved from where I was and went to another place, put on some light, and they went, these six CDs went in this container effortlessly, right? So I got a lot out of that experience. So certainly our guides for our spiritual life, our emotional life, our physical life, our social life, our financial life, they're always available. But the functionaries to help you with the can opener. I'm telling you the truth. I had to ask for help. Okay. I have a lot of dexterity at a keyboard. And that's it. So do not have manual dexterity beyond that. But it was a, it's been extraordinary. And when the car broke down, we asked the guides to take care of that. When we went to the dentist, we asked the guides to go with us. And there is such an apparent intervention that it's awesome. And of course, what they say to me is this is how we get our growth and how we have our fun. So please tell everybody, call on us. We want to play too. So that's another thing that I learned this summer. Of course, I spent time each day doing what we talked about in the May Musing, which is sending unconditional love to everything in creation. From the smallest subatomic particle to the great central sun. And sometimes I name them, oh, this is unconditional love for humanity for the animal kingdom, for the mineral kingdom, for the plant kingdom, for the stars, for the moon, for the sun, for the David kingdom, for the galaxy. And other times when I'm in a hurry, I just say, unconditional love to everything. And that works just as well. So I didn't stop that practice because I still believe what I heard at John of God the last time, which is really the secret of an abundant life is praying for everyone else. Praying for everyone else. So that's my summer. And it was a work and it was joy. And there were so many moments of not just feeling difficult feelings, but so many moments of unbelievable joy. 
unbelievable joy, sometimes for hours, just of ecstasy. And sometimes I would sit by myself, having done my presence process breathing, and just sit there and feel in my heart unconditional love. Just to sit and feel love. Eyes closed, feeling love. Because ultimately, ultimately, what we want everything to lead to is the ability to live from our hearts. Not from our heads. From our hearts. That's what we're here to do. Live from our hearts with unconditional love for ourselves, for our life, and for all of creation. I feel so much love when I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> Namaste.
May we seek and find embodied presence in our exponentially changing world. With each breath that I breathe, I am breathed by God, by life, by the Great Spirit. May I cultivate presence, opening my heart to compassion, letting go of the habit of hanging out in my head, sinking deeper with each breath into my wisdom center, into my heart center, into my gravity center. Sensing presence here with my spine sometimes gently undulating, opening and closing my heart and micro levels. There's a dynamic that underlies the prayer. We look to the Native Americans so many times for their great wisdom. The earth does not belong to us. We belong to the earth. Humankind has not woven the web of life. We are but one thread within it. Whatever we do to the web, we do to ourselves. All things are bound together. All things connect. We do not inherit the earth from our ancestors. We borrow it from our children. The earth is our mother. Whatever befalls the earth befalls the sons and daughters of the earth. This we know. All things are connected like the blood which unites one family. All things are connected. Namaste. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much. It's been extraordinary connecting in on this extraordinary times, this remarkable times, and we're beaming out prayers to our friends all over the state now. I want to thank our friend Sven for his help today. Our next musing is here in the library, October the 13th, 10.30 a.m. It's every third Sunday from September through May, except December. Feel free to bring a friend, spread the mystic word. If you would like to be on our email list, please let me know, and I'm happy to do that, uh, but I need your email address for that. We are starting with this musing to make podcasts available rather than CDs. If you would like to have a podcast, we're right in the middle of putting this together and we'll know in another week. And if you are interested in a podcast, uh, you go to iTunes, but I need to give you a link. And I don't have that link quite yet. So if you're interested in the podcast, uh, please let me know. It is free from iTunes. That's the arrangement that uh, they have with people who want to do podcasts. If you would like to make a donation, we will gratefully receive that. Our private session uh, uh, brochures and cards are over here. If you'd like to uh, avail yourself of that, please do. Um, please visit us on Facebook, the Mystical Musings page, and you can visit our website, onebodyspirit.net. It's on our card over here. Uh, we do humbly request a $20 donation for this musing or whatever feels right to you. If you are making a check, please um, make it out to Myron. And uh, please join us afterwards in the Mystical Musings Lounge over here for coffee and tea and cookies. We do have some gluten-free cookies as well as Costco cookies that has lots of gluten and sugar. <laughs> so um, if you would all stand.
One of the wonderful things about being in a spiritual community is that when we come here, we know that our hearts are all joined. And in fact, it's one heart. And so we want to send love and blessings and the energy and the divine presence that we feel out into all the world. There are many communities meeting right now that we are hooking up with who are also sending unconditional love into the world. So this is our job as a community. Keep loving one another. Keep loving ourselves. Keep loving God. And keep loving the earth. Amen.